Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to part two of episode 131 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and this is the second half of my interview with Taylor Cashton. He was the principal designer at Fidelity Investments. He's a speaker, co-founder of the Black Soul Club with Tara Victoria, my guest in episode 105, which was a great interview, by the way, so you should go back and check that out. We talk all about surfing in Calgary. She's going to love that I said that. Uh, He's also the director of Uniting People at his AIGA chapter. What a bomb, awesome title. In the second half of this interview, this is where we get into the challenges, the struggles, the tough stuff that he's faced in his design career so far and the lessons he's learned from that. We also get into the projects that he's so proud to have been involved in and been a part of. Love this second half just as much as I love the first one. If you haven't heard the first part of this interview, head back one episode and listen to that first. It gives you the sort of beginning story, how he got to where he was, and how he got to starting to face some of these challenges and the stuff that he's been through. So check that out. But if you already have, then let's get to it. Part two with Taylor Cashdan. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? So, Taylor, now's the tough stuff. I want to get into a couple of questions about challenging times in your design career so far, um, and then... I'll turn it around at the end. We'll finish up in a happy spot with the old ask it forward question here. Um, sure. So what has been the most challenging time in your design career? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? So I think that that's an interesting because two things come to mind. Um, number one is stagnation. Okay. So when I realized that the work I was doing was no longer satisfying my creative itch, mm. right? So it was just repetitive. Um, it was consistent, you know. The money, you know, money was coming in, right? Because I was getting paid to do the work, but mm-hmm. the the work itself was just no longer challenging to me. It wasn't challenging my creative, you know, side of my brain. I wasn't trying to solve new things. It was just like, okay, cool, new content for the same thing I made already. Yeah. And some of that was necessary for efficiency's sake and time and whatever, but. I realized when I got into that rut is where the problem started happening for me. Like it's when I started taking on too much work because I needed to fill it with other stuff, whether it be personal projects or client work or whatever. And when you compound tasks like that, it gets, it gets dangerous. Um, and then the experience of being laid off was a bit of a shell shock to me. Um, in part because I always thought eventually I'd work for myself and do my own freelance thing kind of full time. And I've slowly realized that's not what I, what I want. Um, overall, I enjoy having freelance clients, but when and when I want them, you know, kind of thing and, and totally. how I'm being able to pick the ones I want, not needing to do that for steady income, but getting laid off kind of forced me to take that jump when I was considering it, but I wasn't ready yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it opened up a lot of things for me of just like, oh, like you really hate having to go out and find the clients, you know, when the bills are due. Like I enjoy mm-hmm. the intake process when it's not a stressor, but you know, it's just, it's, it's 
it's not good for me, right? And then mm-hmm. like, oh, the the make the work you want to attract the work you want kind of thing. Like that's still work, right? You still have to go and, and create these things for and sure. give yourself constraints. And and I have trouble sometimes with just making for fun and then add the layer, like I said, of when you know bills need to be paid. It's it, it gets more and more stressful very quickly. So those two things, and they're they're interrelated in some ways, but those two things are probably the biggest challenges from a career perspective um, that I think I've ever had to deal with. So how so did far. how did you get through them? How were you managing those things that you know may still crop up? Yeah, I, first and foremost, I leaned into my community, right? So I found other people going through similar things, and you know that was going to conferences did that, um, going to local AIGA stuff did that. Uh, getting with other folks that understand what you're talking about. Because I think a lot of times, you know, you're kind of the solo designer in some places where you're the only one who understands what like, you know, CMYK color palette is, right? Mm -hmm. And to turn to the person to your left and be like, you know, does this look too dark or too light or whatever? And for them to be able to say, you know, just transparency as opposed to no, pick a new color is a very different kind of feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wasn't getting that at at my the employer at the time, uh, not to their, you know, discredit to a certain extent, you know, they, they didn't, they did not realize they required more help than just myself. And I was not at a position, uh, where I understood that I couldn't do it all myself. Right. So it's kind of a dual edged sword there. Um, so leaning into your community and those around you, I think was the first thing. And, And then two, being really realistic about like what it is that you want to a certain extent, but also what needs to be done first. And I think the latter is more important because you can like, I, I'm not big on goal setting. Um, I like to have things I want to accomplish, but like, I'm not a, like a five-year plan kind of person. And the reason is that I get so interested in so many things that if I were to make a five-year plan and try to stick with it, I would get, my brain would get bored and I'd start filling my time with other things mm-hmm. because I, I, you know, I don't process in that way. So what that kind of relates back to is like, if I start doing these things kind of long term and I start adding more to my plate to fill the gaps in between, it, be, it enters that toxic loop again of like just more and more stuff because I didn't know how to satisfy the itch I was looking to scratch in the first place. So mm-hmm. uh, planning is helpful, but also being realistic with yourself of like, all right, I'm, I'm not interested in this, right? Or, or this is not a goal I need to do or I want to achieve or why am I doing this, right? Is this because I, it's what society or other people seem to think I need to be doing or is this what I want to do? Right. And then with that, the same thing with the work, like, do I, is this client really going to like, do I need this for the money or do am I doing this? Cause I enjoy this work or I, this project excites me. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I understand like, it's a very real thing of like, you can't always make that choice. Like sometimes you just have to do the work. Right. Yeah. And I'm very, very sensitive to that. Cause I'm not, I'm, I'm a, definitely a proponent of plan before you jump where I think a lot of the, um, content stuff and stuff that's out right now is like, just make the leap you know, go full-time freelance or start your own thing or whatever, uh, which is great. But I'm big on like, use your day job to fuel that passion so that when you jump, you're not jumping into an empty pool. Like there's water there. Sure. Yep. Well said. No, I completely agree. You know, and, and being self-aware enough to, like you said, see if, is this something that is really, am, am I doing this for me? Or am I doing this because of some sort of outside influence that really has no say in my life? Right. And it's okay to have a balance of that too, right? I mean, if you're looking at like the projection of normal career paths, like it's okay to aspire to go, you know, junior, senior art director, whatever the the list of things are. But it's when we get overcommitted and locked into a point where you can't pivot anymore, 
mm-hmm. you feel that you can't pivot. I think the feeling is probably more drastic. Like I never thought I'd be able to work in the UX space. I was like, I don't have any experience. You know, day one of this job in the interview, actually, I was like, I've never opened Sketch before. You know, like I was just very blunt and they were like, it's okay. It's a learnable software. Like if you understand, you know, and I doubled down, I was like, design is design. You know, I, I you give me a weekend, I'll learn the software. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's not, that's, if that's the hurdle, then we're not going to align anyway, you know, but totally. like the, the concepts and stuff I have, it's just, I don't know the software. And that to me, I thought was going to be like a, a, a no, just, oh, you can't, you can't come in day one and crank stuff out. Sorry. You know, we're done here. And that was not the case, but I think it's that, that balance of like what, the industry slash society slash other people, whatever want, desire, or influence you to do, mm-hmm. layered with what is it that you want to do, mm-hmm. right? And if you don't know, that's okay too, but just be open to explore. Definitely. Um, Taylor, I want to now ask about a specific design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. Um, what mm-hmm. was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Yeah. Um, so the first one that comes to mind is uh, I was a very ambitious junior, junior designer <laughs> at my my first job. And we had the, uh, a report, basically, an annual report that would go out um, every year. Yeah. Uh, it still goes out to this day. It's just a, it's a, it's a culmination of all trends uh, in the industry that this company puts out. And when I first saw that project, I was like, dope. Like, this is a print project. Like, I'm going <laughs> to rock it out like i've got this like and i just started you know they were in powerpoint at the time so they were they didn't have a designer right so they were making all this stuff and i was like oh my god i can make this so much better it's going to be like a magazine and i just i I immediately got to work like i started revamping the old one and putting it in i was like oh they're gonna love this like it's gonna be super great you know i can't wait to present this and everyone just like think I'm, i'm a god right yeah and i do all this work and I put all together and all these, and I try not to spend too much time in the weeds, but of course you get stuck, right? I'm remaking graphics that don't need remaking and whatever. And I go to, they're like, you know, all right, Taylor, show us your idea. Like we're ready. And I had this like 20 minute presentation, you know, kind of prepped of like how it's going to impact the thing going forward and yada, yada, yada. Now, mind you, I had zero scope of like the budget for this, the importance Mm -hmm. of it, whose desk it hit. Like I was just too young to ask me these questions. And, you know, I presented and I was like, here's the thing. And they, I was pretty much, cut off not in like a all right you should stop kind of way but like the conversation pittered out mm-hmm. after like five minutes because oh, no. they were just not interested like they were like no no no, like thank you but like first of all not at all what we want Two, doesn't fit our audience the report how we plan to send it out bada, 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 bada. you know while this is cool from a vision standpoint like this isn't going to do. And I was just like crushed. I was like, damn it. Like I messed up this thing. And, you know, I had all these ideas. Like I thought they wanted me to come in here and and innovate, you know, and whatever. And then that's kind of when I realized like, Hey, business needs sometimes doesn't mean the coolest, flashiest design, right. Or the, the new thing. Sometimes you really just have to like, I don't like the lipstick on a pig expression, but it's kind of that. It's like, how do you dress up what's there to make it more functional for the user Mm -hmm. as opposed to reinventing the wheel, right? How do you just add a tire to it, you know, or whatever? Yep. That's a tough one. Yeah. I can feel that, you know, I've, I've been in that spot where, you know, you're super jacked up and super excited about something and you go for it, you go for it. And you're like, you're basically anticipating the win already. You're like, yeah, you, how you're going to react, what beer you're going to have after to celebrate. (laughs) Right. And then you're like, what? Uh, So, Oh, uh, 
Did, oh. did you say no? I think you meant to say yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't factor this uh, into my decisions. <laughs> you yep. know. Oh, man, I feel for you there. Okay. Um, what are you struggling with in your design career right now? Uh, I think it's just a constant, but it's uh, imposter syndrome always creeps up, right? Mm-hmm. The, the UX space is new for me. And I have responsibilities at this job that um, are different than I've had before, for mm-hmm. better or for worse. And they've asked me to lean into the fact that I communicate well with people, right? That I'm, I'm able to dig at the, the real root of a problem and kind of help people get to a solution and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So whereas before I was make, 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 you know, I had to produce these marketing one sheets or whatever by a deadline. I'm now doing more of the facilitation than getting to the making, mm-hmm. which is new for me. And sometimes very often like i'm sur- i'm surrounded by tons of talented people and you know i look over the shoulder and i'm like writing a process document and then this person's cranking out this like awesome piece of an experience that's going to roll out you know next year or something and there sometimes there's a there's a an imposter syndrome factor that kind of kicks in i i remember distinctly um prior to this job search i was interviewing with another company and i thought i rocked the interview like we walked through all my work and we were having good conversation and everyone was happy and we went over time and it it was great and then i you know i leave the interview going i got this job like i'm so stoked and i get feedback that they weren't interested and i was like okay well let me ask why and given this recruiter did not um give as much information as they could have which i found out because the follow-up from that person's peer was that, hey, they didn't give you all of the feedback. Here's the rest of it. But the one-liner that was sent to me was, uh, Taylor doesn't seem like a designer who's good for this type of work. Consider uh, a design manager instead of a senior designer. And in my head, I was like, what the hell, man? Like, I wanted to do the work, Mm -hmm. right? I wanted to be in there in the nitty-gritty in the weeds doing the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were hiring for a senior designer, to be clear. And I was like, this is this is me. Like, this is who I am. Like, this is my identity. Like, I can do these things. How could they not see that? Like, we talked about all this stuff and it was great. And I was like, F this like management, you know, overseeing design kind of perspective. You know, this is silly. Like, I want to be doing the work. And then it took me a a while to process um, two things out of that. Number one was not every job that's out there right is malleable right mm-hmm. so they were really really looking for someone that they could direct and then that would they can let loose to go work on something mm-hmm. um not that would dig a little deeper that would challenge the, the 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 problem at hand that would think a little more high level um which is what i found out a design manager is more responsible for doing and then mm-hmm. being able to to make people uh take action on things and that was kind of the first thing it was like companies have roles, right? And sometimes it's something that's very specific. And if you don't get the role, that's not a critique on your ability. It's a critique on what the company needed at the time, right? And that was a very weird realization that I had to come to. The second of which was that they identified in that interview a strength of mine that I didn't realize I needed to double down on, right? Which was that you can communicate well, right? You were taught how to teach people, mm-hmm. which then you can do through design, right? Which is what the design manager does, right? They're in there, they're, they're learning, they're absorbing, they're getting roots of problems. They're sometimes getting into the programs and making, but oftentimes it's more collaboration. It's more organization. And that's kind of what I'm doing now, but it took me probably uh, until right before this job. when I started shifting my focus into different areas that like, this is what you're good at. Like that last job turned you down for a great reason. You just weren't ready to swallow that or didn't recognize what that was. Mm -hmm. Right. And the, the challenge for me is 
this whole sphere of ne- and I, I don't mean to sound hierarchical when I say like nitty gritty versus the high level thinking. Like it's all important. It's all equal weight. Um, one is not um, more commanding over the other. But I was not ready to think that I was ready for that high level thought. Like I thought I was just at the the working in the weeds point, and I always wanted to be able to do that working in the weeds point. So mm-hmm. the imposter syndrome kind of creeps up when it's like, yeah, but Taylor, why you? Right. Like from an age perspective, like I'm very, I'm younger than a lot of people, although I have equitable experience to someone older than myself because I worked full time for much longer than many of my peers. Um, part of that was financial reasons. And part of that was, you know, cause I had the opportunity to, so I was like, why not? So I got, I got a head start on my career, um, before many. And then when people see my age, they're like, Oh, or even in my head, that's the way I think about it. Like, Oh, like there's no way at 27, you know, principal designer somewhere like that's ridiculous like that's Mm -hmm. for someone much more experienced but then you look back it's like yeah but you have the experience and the knowledge and yada 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 Mm -hmm. but it takes a lot of like stepping out of your own head to think through that and not feel like you're stepping into shoes that you don't belong in yep uh dude you're speaking my language (laughs) (laughs) um okay i'm gonna turn this bus around for you taylor um tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of the one that just makes your heart sing uh you want like overarching or recent you tell me okay uh recent so i just recently launched a fun play brand with uh, tara victoria uh, a designer you've had on this podcast before mm-hmm. uh the project is called black soul club um we bonded at creative south over a mutual like for black coffee and the um informal shit talking about those who soiled it with milk and sugar and we started riffing on this like silly kind of trend of like dark art and how we could use skulls and like different shades of black to uh, enumerate that and it it burst (laughs) this project that we've kind of created and what we're trying to do is not make it like this chore right that it's just this fun thing we do on the uh, for fun between the two of us and like if we want to make something, let's make something like we just made some pins just for fun. Right. And we're, we have plans to like make some patches and some t-shirts that are just an ode to that kind of, uh, style. And we've got a, you know, Instagram account where we post a bunch of stuff, but, um, that's a, a recent win that I'm, I'm really excited about. And I'm, I'm, you know, the business side of me hopes it takes off, but the, the non-business is like, I'm excited for this because it can be fun. And if it flops, I don't care. Like it's more just, I'm enjoying the exercise of playing around mm-hmm. for design and not having it tied to a client. Um, that's kind of the, the, the most recent, I think overarching, um, I think I'm, I'm, it's less project. It's more path. And I think the, it's taken me a while to kind of be able to confidently, you know, kind of say this, but like, I'm like stoked at the path that I took to get where I am. Like I was an education major, you know, I was an English major. I was learning journalism, like and marketing from the communication sense, not marketing as we know it now, like SEO and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I ended up in this like really cool path of like making stuff for all different kinds of people uh, and different companies at different scales, um, <laughs> improperly charging all along the way as many of us do. <laughs> but, you know, but getting to where I've gotten now and being able to now flip it around and show people that it's possible, right. And be able to speak to my story and, and the, the, the things that came along with it and leverage that education background. It's just been a trip. Um, and I'm enjoying every minute of it. You know, there's, it comes with, like I said, bouts of imposter syndrome and, and comparison trap and all that kind of thing. But I, you know, that's, that's just part of being human. Totally. 
Well said. Um, Taylor, what is one design product tool, website, community you just can't live without? Uh, Illustrator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fact. Uh, Adobe Illustrator. I live more in there than I do anywhere else. I'm, I've gotten to the point where I'm stupid efficient in it to the point where like sometimes like if I'm taking notes quickly on a project, I'll just do it right in the software mm-hmm. instead of opening a proper notes function. And that's just cause I'm so used to it. Like the shortcuts are so ingrained in my head that like when I had to switch to sketch for this job, like it took a good amount of cognitive effort to remember that like the V key is not the arrow. Right. And to, to, to <laughs> just be able to change the game, which is now funny cause I work in sketch all day at work, work, you know, when I get home, I have to then reroute those shortcuts in my head. So it's, it's very interesting. Um, can you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, you nailed it. It was basically just list one, either a product, tool, website, or a community oh, that yes. you can't live without. Yes. So you nailed and it with community. Illustrator. That was the part I wanted to hit on too, the community yep. part. Um, local design community, uh, small and effective. So uh, I doubled down, like I said, in, in AIGA personally. Um, it's not for everybody, and not every chapter has the same offerings as every other chapter, but I would encourage anyone out there to find their tribe, whether that's one other designer or a hundred other designers, or even forget a designer, creatives. Could be a photographer, could be an illustrator, could be a writer, doesn't matter. Find your people and spend time with them, right? Mm-hmm. Collaborate on stuff with them, share work with them, pass work and clients in between each other do stuff for fun as well as stuff that you'll get paid to do because the more ingrained in the creative side of your your persona that you can leverage in part of your relationships the stronger they will be because when you're making together it's a whole different interaction than when you're just having a conversation or you're having a drink or you're sharing an experience when you're making you pour some of yourself into that and it's a lot cooler when there's a blend of you and other people into something and you can kind of see where the shared influences come from to ultimately create something that's for better or worse out in the world, um, tangible and real, whether it's digital or physical, uh, that you can then reflect on as a group and be like, we did this, like we came together and we did this. And that's a really cool feeling. Got it. Very nice. Well, Taylor, you've reached the part of the show for the ask it forward question. Um, that's where I have a guest for you from my previous guest. And you have, sorry, I have a question for you from my previous guest. And mm-hmm. you get the opportunity to ask a question of the next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, cool. but you can ask them anything. So, great. first off, my last guest was Zach Newton from Newton Design Co. And he wanted to ask, and I'm gonna, this is a two-part question, and let me paint the picture and set the scene here for you. Imagine okay. you are at a dive bar, coin-operated juice bo- <laughs> jukebox all dusty in the corner, um, smoking still allowed inside, and you can get drunk with any designer or illustrator ever, alive or dead. First part, who would that, who would that be? That is a, a tough question because I, I think I categorize designer um, a little more broadly, like people who create, I think, is where sure. my head goes. Why not? Um, I think <laughs> I'd like to have a few beers with the person who patented the toilet paper roll. And here's why. There's, there's, a, there's a why. I have a constant debate with my friends, family, whomever, about the proper way to put it into the holder. Right? Oh. Does it roll over or under? Over. And the patent 100% easy. shows. Oh, no, I'm an under person. 100. percent It rolls up so much better if you take too much, when you can just 
roll down and it re-rolls back into the back and it never over-rolls over the top. So I'd like to have a heated debate <laughs> on the functionality of the toilet paper roll with the designer who made it. Beautiful. Okay, so you're going to love this one. <laughs> Part two of this question is how drunk would you need to be for that uh, to kiss that person right on the mouth? <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I think it would depend on how the conversation goes. Uh, <laughs> You're a guy who likes to be because talked if we, up first. If we end up agreeing, like, that's it. We're good. Like, I validated yeah. that man's getting a kiss. Or woman. Yeah. I don't want to assume. Um, but if we didn't, I would imagine it would take a lot of alcohol because of the disagreement. <laughs> like, I would have to get myself to be like, this person is invalid and their opinions wrong. And then have to swallow all that. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> well, a weird question. I yeah, love that. It was so good because he, the, and the basis of that was him. Uh, he was hanging out with Aaron Draplin after a, a conference or an event. And he didn't really get into the circumstances, but somehow at this event, um, something he said jived with Aaron so well that Aaron had kissed him. <laughs> so he, I love that. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, so what is your ask it forward question, Taylor? Uh, I want the next guest to on air, um, admit to something that they're doing that they need to stop, right? Ooh. Or they need to say no for, uh, whether that's a client and then obviously I don't have to name the client, right? I don't want to yeah. out them and, and get them in trouble. But if there's a, a habit or something that they're trying to break, like I'm big about, um, the law of attraction. And that just says like, speak things out to the world and the universe will provide, right? Whether that's with other people or whatever. And there's accountability kind of interlaid in that. And I've found a lot of, um, positivity in being able to speak out about things that you need to either fix or are doing well or whatever. Uh, so for accountability's sake, I'd like to know what they need to stop, um, stop doing, whether it's a personal thing or a work thing or whatever. I love it. A law of attraction. I love the reason behind that too. Yeah. Taylor, that's the end of the podcast, my friend. Thank you so much for your time. It was really great connecting with you on this. Absolutely. This has been great. I had a blast. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, the second half of my interview with Taylor Cashdown. If you missed part one, go back and check that out now. Thank you so much for listening. Please head over to iTunes, leave a rating and a review for the show. I would really appreciate it. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow. See you then. Bye.